Welcome back, guys. Today, I'm sitting down with my friend, my mentor, uh, David T.S. Wood. We've brought him back on the show because he's an absolute freaking rock star and a lot of you want to hear from him again. So, I can sit down with David and talk for literally one week straight, I truly believe. So, um, you know, but in this episode, we cover some topics that he's truly passionate about. We're talking about sex, baby. We're talking about money. Okay. We're talking about the things where the, the most important things in life, right? The things that most people aren't wanting to talk about or even teach about. Okay. So, we go through everything you can imagine on different sex archetypes, different money archetypes, how to create financial freedom the right way, how to find the right network marketing company for you, right? And just how this all blends in together to create the most perfect relationships in your life, uh, money in your life, and just the most abundant uh, life for yourself is right. So, this is such a funny episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun here. You're going to learn a lot. So, grab your notepads and pens, tune in, let's go. Welcome to the Dreaming Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired, learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan Nelson, and each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. All right, guys, welcome back to another show. Um, I've got my man, my friend, my mentor, Mr. David T.S. Wood again. If you haven't listened to the first episode we did together, you need to go back and find that one. We talked about how to be an authentic leader and just how to live life with compassion and trust and just live the best life. But today, we are talking about Money, sex, and influence. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you're, you're so cute. <laughs> that's the first time I ever did that because when I thought about, yeah, let's talk about money. Because that's like, let's, let's be honest. I've heard you say, you say that the main thing that people, people are most scared to talk about as well are money and sex. Yeah, I mean, but people are more comfortable talking about sex than they are about money. And a lot of people are really uncomfortable talking about sex, you know. And I, I, something you said to me at the last show, which you said right at the very end after you pushed sort of stop, um, is that my screen went funny, is that um, this show is targeting young people. So I think it's great to have a conversation regarding, you know, about money and sex and influence because I think they're three really powerful subjects. I'm not sure where you want to start first, but. Uh, you know, with, with the sex conversation, I want to give you a, I want to give you a thought process, all you young guys, right. And girls is so if you think about anything else, if you were, if you were a musician and you really love music, that probability is you take a, get a teacher and you would continue to learn and advance and get better in the arena of sex. So many people, you know, they kind of learn by default. And a lot of women, if you interview, and I've interviewed thousands, well, lots and lots, thousands and thousands and thousands of people, is that, you know, they're often their first time is horrendous. It's awful. And, and because there's some things they don't truly understand, um, but the, the, a lot of guys will sort of, from that first few times, they get a few key moves and that's the moves they, they, they sort of go through life with. There isn't this kind of continual learning when it comes to sex and intimacy and, 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 and you know, all of the, and I was talking about range. It's a funny story, actually. I, was a, <laughs> I had a sex therapist at my house who's a friend of mine, and uh, she'd come over because she was going to teach at one of my programs. And my, like, my kid was there, Ben, and his friend, Caelan, was there. 
And Kaylin turned around, and at that time, they're only 10. Kaylin turned around and said, can I ask you a question, Dave? I said, yeah. He said, can you tell me what S&M is? <laughs> and he says, because my mom says it's sales and marketing, but I know it's not. And so this sex therapist just about jumps right in with this kind of fully graphic kind of description of what S&M is, right? And for those of you who don't know, look it up. It's right. So, and I said to him, hold on. I said, whoa, 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 Cheryl, stop, stop, stop. I said, okay. I guess, Caleb, I said, tell me. I said, what is the sort of softest kind of music you can think of? What's the softest? What's the most? He said, well, you mean like classical? I said, yeah, let's use classical. So classical music, if you think of Brahms or Beethoven or you know, any, of, any of the great composers, you can think of this really beautiful, beautiful music. I said, now tell me, what is the craziest, wildest kind of music you can think of? You see me like punk? I said, yeah, let's use punk. I said, you see, there's kind of a thing called range. So there are some people that love classical music, right? And there are some people that love punk. But if you're going to be a great lover, then you can explore the entire range. You're going to be as comfortable with classical music as you are with punk, you know? And that, so the idea is to learn and be comfortable in all the different arenas of sex. And I think that's true with everything we do. If we can develop range and exploration, so like intimacy, you know, a lot of women listening. If, if you're young, maybe not so much quite now, but there's a point where when a guy looks at you and you're the only person on the entire planet, Nothing else exists. He's so present with you. You know, it just, you just melt because there's that kind of, that intimacy, that closeness. But then there's that wild, crazy thing where, you know, you're exploring that range and everything goes. And I, we have a rule in my own personal life, which is no no's in the bedroom. You can't say no to anything. You can say not now, not today, not in the mood, but never no. In other words, the door is always open. Even if you never, ever do it, that there is no kind of ugh. Because what is that about? Because if you're with someone you love and you really want to explore the full range of sex. And by the way, I love, no one's ever asked me a question on sex before, but it's something I study. And I always say that, so study a little bit, learn something new every day, you know, learn something. And a lot of women don't even understand their own bodies, mm. you know, and it's great when a guy who does, and if a guy understands how a body, a woman's body works, then, you know, it, it can be an amazing thing, and especially if he's immensely present, or the same, vice versa, if a woman understands her own body, but because no one talks about it, you know, and, and, you know, and everyone, the other thing, a lot of people get caught up in is chasing the orgasm. And, you know, the crazy thing about that is kind of like the end. Well, you know, if you study tantric, tantric sex, right, which is really about riding a wave, it's not about the orgasm itself, it's about the intimacy, it's, it's, it's making love, and you can make love for hours and hours and hours, but without chasing something, you're not going for it, but because you're not chasing it, I mean, it can happen over and over and over and over and over again, so anyway, you got me started on a very... I know we we kind of we kind of just jumped straight in. This was like no foreplay at all. We'll just we'll just straight to it. It's like a drunk night out. Boom. <laughs> oh, I I love that. Um, because you know it's so interesting, and I have been thinking like I'm 26 now, and I was having this conversation. I think we're talking about you actually. I was talking with a couple of my mates, and we're talking about I'm like you know I love Dave. You know how we you know how no topics ever off 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 limits and. And I think we were talking about like we had conversations on current Cove and we're talking about it's like the, the idea of like the unknown. And I'm like, let's think about it. Like I'm, I'm 26 and, and like, and like, we're all, we're all young. I'm talking to my friends. I'm like, we're all young. We know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. 
And I'm like, I truly believe that we're going to turn 40, 50, 60 one day and look back at us and go, we were such little boys and had no freaking idea what we were even talking about. And that's what excites me because I'm a freaking growth junkie. I, I love, like, I really want to dive in because when you think of sex, how does everyone even learn it? They learn it by watching porn. Like, that's how everyone learns and it's, it's fake shit. So what's your kind of view on that? Like, how would someone... Well, there's a lot of studies that show that people who watch porn, actually, they, they, they get so overstimulated that they actually lose the ability to have sex. So they're seeing a lot. I mean, porn is a terrible... In so many levels. I mean, if you want to share, sit with someone you love and watch a porn movie, I mean, I, I get it. But, you know, the fact is, is, can sex look like that? Yeah, of course, there can be an element of that. But you know, the, the if you look at the, if you look at how women observe porn and how guys do, right? A lot of women there's there's porn that is very soft and it's more sensual, it's more intimate, and you know it's just not the same old. Because you watch you know, any porn movie, it's just the same six moves, right? <laughs> boom, 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 right? It's just a predictable kind of thing, right? But there is a lot of science that shows that it actually is really harmful for if you if you consume a lot of porn to your ability to make love because you know you the, the reality of, 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 of a woman's body and intimacy and all the other intricacies that go to connection with someone you know with a porn it's just you know there is none of that it's just straight in you know and it all looks like it's you know it's crazy but of course you know these people aren't even connected and so you know yeah it, it is quite fake and but I you know I'm not someone to say you shouldn't watch yeah I just said that yeah, what would be better is to create your own version of that with someone you know that you care about is to have a beautifully uh, a beautiful expansive love life where when you want when you again if you explore range there, there's going to be elements in your lovemaking that will resemble great and better than great porn movies but to get there i always say if you want to get if you want to to get and there's if you understand sort of uh, the relationship formula for for a woman a woman wants to feel safe emotionally physically spiritually financially so on all the levels if a woman feels safe and that and her values are protection and connection so if a woman feels incredible because guys will say this oh my god and not just guys older guys my wife won't do this my wife won't do that and i say well if you want to have this you know tiger in the bedroom and i i don't want to talk about we should talk about women as well not just men but let's use this example to, to, to go if you want to have sort of this extraordinary love life, then the only way to get there is through the door of intimacy, the door of connection, the door of, you know, safety. So that, you know, because if you're disconnected from a woman and, and she doesn't feel safe with you, then all of these other elements aren't going to ever happen. But if you can lead come in through that connection and that deep intimacy, then there are no no's. There is there's just this wonderful trust. When we trust, there's this aspiration. And again, it's not this forced thing. It's a beautiful, it's almost like, you know, um, you, the, the, the journey never ends. There's always something else to discover. And, you know, and, and anyone who's listening who's had a one night stand, you know, it, it's pretty, it can be, yeah, you may occasionally, it's great. But typically, what's greater is when you're in love with someone and you're really connected and you look into their eyes and you wake up with them and there's something else going on that drives you know, I'm not saying that, you know, a one night stand isn't great sometimes, but I'm just saying it's not, it doesn't fill you up, right? And quite often it's really uncomfortable in the morning. It can be, right? So anyway. I love that. What are the three things we've talked about this before? The three things women need in a relationship to feel 
by just that safety, protection, and connection. Oh, they're the three. They're okay. three. So, the, the, so you call it the relationship formula, right? So, yeah. so a woman's sort of the currency is protection and co- connection. The value is free uh, safety, and for a guy, it's freedom, appreciation, and trust. And so, you know, but again, you can practice this. You, you if you're in a relationship right now. If you really, 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 that sort of protection, that connection thing, that real deep connection, and if your woman feels absolutely safe, absolutely safe, financially, physically, spiritually, watch what happens. You know, she moves because there are four energies, right? There's light feminine, there's dark feminine, there's light masculine, there's dark fem- uh, dark masculine. And the dark energies, like, you know, a woman in her dark energy, dark feminine, is going to be bitchy, complaining, you know, all of those not negative energies. But you want, if you want to have a great relationship, you want, hopefully, that your woman is in her light feminine energy. And for a guy, you want to be in your light masculine energy. And a lot of guys, by the way, and this really is a bit of a bugbear for me, it's like they've been neutered. You know, a woman does. A woman wants a man to be a man. They want that polarity where it's a masculine and feminine energy. And that polarity is sexy. But if a guy's like, no, whatever you want, honey, the three greatest words a woman wants to hear from a man is, hey, I got this. Baby, mm-hmm. I got this. I got it. And you, oh, 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 you know, it's like that whole Tarzan <laughs> thing. Right? You're, you're still that kind of that Tarzan, but you want to be a man. But a lot of men, they're like, you know, they, they don't choose anything in the house. They just say, well, whatever you want, happy wife, happy life. It's all BS. She wants, she wants you to walk in and sometimes it's that connection and sometimes she wants to be thrown on the ground and ravaged because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, it's that, that excitement and that polarity. So I think there's understanding and we could do a whole show. In fact, I've just done a whole show on this relationship formula on my own show, but just think about it. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're living in your dark masculine, it means you're really negative, having negative thoughts. You're talking negative crap out of your mouth, right? And so, you know, and so you always want to be consciously elevating yourself into a light masculine, which is a very fiercely sexy thing. You don't have to be an attractive person to be attractive. When you've got it going on inside, you could be a strange looking dude, but if you've got that confidence and you've got that masculinity and you've got that kindness and compassion and connection and you can help someone feel safe, I'm telling you, most women in the world are gonna find you immensely attractive. Right? And you could be the hottest guy on the planet, but if you're a dick, guess what, yeah. right? So. That, that's why we that's why i like working with you because like you know my looks aren't that great so i gotta really get to work on work on those other things and it's well, don't worry, just, <laughs> yeah you're strange, you are strange looking but you know yeah. it's like we, we we counteract each other you've got the looks but you lack all the rest no. <laughs> i love it um so what is what are some main things like so because the reason we're talking about sex money and influence is because they're all intertwined if you're <clears throat> like they all like money often often does come into the bedroom comes in relationships and it like how, how do these kind of all into one well you know when we talk about safety again financial safety if you're struggling financially it's very very hard to be in your light masculine or light feminine energy because you're under stress and stress pushes you into a dark energy right and so you know having and it's not that you have to have a lot of money, but you can manage the money you have. I did a whole show on that. You don't have to have a lot of money, but you know, financial freedom, people mix up. They always think about making a lot of money, but to be financially free is when your passive or residual income exceeds your expenses. And so if you live a simple life and you've got very few expenses, it's very, very easy for someone who lives on a little bit to become financially free if they can create a little side hustle, create some passive or residual income streams, right? But so money plays a role in there because so many people fight about money. There's so much stress 
about money, right? Um, and, you know, so, so I would say that you know, money plays a big role in that, in creating a harmonious or a, a more beautiful setting for a home. Um, and also time, you know, if you don't have any money, you're quite often you're, you're, you're running two jobs or you're, you know, you're working minimum wage, so you're unhappy at work. So there's a lot of things that go on in the complexity of money, but money is just an energy. And so, you know, and I live without money for years. As you know, I backpacked for 10 and a half years around the world. So I had no money for 10 and a half years, no car. I just had a backpack and a guitar. So I've lived, you know, for 10 years of my life with zero money. And I was, I grew up really, really broke. And now I'm a multimillionaire, which is very fortunate. So I think I, I, I can really talk about both ends of the spectrum. But, you know, it's not about how much money you make, although that is important. There's one element of money, which is how much you make and how you make it. And I always say you need the right vehicle at the right time with the right mindset, the right you. Um, so choosing a vehicle, I mean, and is, is really, really important um, with, with, with that. But, you know, but it's also that the sort of the management of the money you have is, is, is creating great practices so that, because a lot of people, you know, they, they start making money and they go buy a bigger car and a bigger house and a bigger watch. And all they do is, so, so they were, you know, they could live on 30,000, but now they're living on 100, they're just making 100. They're still only one paycheck away from being broke. So the amount of money isn't as critical as the way you, 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 you can learn about money. And in fact, one of the girls I interview on my show, Courtney, I mean, she had a minimum, not minimum wage, but she had a low income job, but she's created immense wealth by certain strategies, really simplifying her life, how she buys things, how she saves for things. I mean, one of the critical rules, if you've read The Wealthy Barber or if you've read any of the great books, The Richest Man in Babylon, they always talk about one of the principles, pay yourself first. So as any money you make, if you take 10% of that and you put it away, and that money isn't for buying bolts and cars, that money's to be invested. So 10% of your income goes away and you get in, and especially young people listening, every one of you can be wealthy if you start, because compound interest takes over. If you start putting 10% of everything you make, just goes away. And you have the bank take it off so you don't even see it. So it comes in and then just live on what's left. And if you want to then set up a savings account for stuff you want to buy, and I always say one of the big, big things that, I mean, with money, I mean, a lot of people want to buy a car. And I often think that we should go to these car dealerships and thrash them with a big stick because the fact that they, they, they trick us, and not me because I don't have car payments, but trick people into like 72 months bi-weekly payments. And now it's weekly payments, only $144 a week. And people get seduced into it. So they end up with these car payments for seven years and six years. It's crazy. So again, we can learn about money, Morgan, but there, there, there's those elements. A, how do we make more? But B, how do we manage the money we make so that it can start working for us, right? Yeah. And what, 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 are, some, uh, what are some other epic little side hustles, things that you know of? You said you had a bunch of people on your call the other day. On your podcast, what are some other things that people can kind of start doing on the side to generate some extra income? Well, the thing is, again, you know, I'm personally a network marketer. So network marketing to me is the greatest. If you find the right company, you got to find the right home. And I believe we don't. I mean, you understand this profession. It's a tough profession in a sense like any other profession. If I was going to be a chiropractor tomorrow, I'd have to go to school for four years. And then I sort of take me another year or so to get good at it. So five or six years to become a chiropractor. To become a network marketer is the same thing. We still have to go through a, a sort of an idea of learning. And, and so what we want to do is we want to we be able to, you know, 
treat it like a real profession. And because it's about leverage, leveraging our income, and we get paid on the amount of people we help. But the thing people mix up is if they stay part-time, if they do it as a part-time hustle, so keep the job, because you're already living off the job, have a part-time hustle, right? And then start learning and, and developing and expanding and growing yourself. And then don't use that money. <laughs> Put that, you don't need it because you're already, you're already accustomed to living off this much money here. And keep it as a part-time job, even a year or so after you could quit. And have this part-time income coming in. That's how we can really develop because you've got now you've got two incomes. And when you sit down with someone, I think Jim Rohn used to say this. You know, you sit down with someone and say, you know, I earn as much in my part-time business as I, as I do in my full-time job. That is sexy. It's sexy, and you're really, really relatable. But I think a lot of people jump jump into that. I mean, there's lots of other side hustles, really. And I do investing. I invest in real estate. But to invest in real estate, you need some money. So that's the, the fortune. And I also have passive income streams where, you know, I completely hands off and my money's working. Money should work hard. Your money should work as hard as you or harder than you do, right? But the, 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 there are four primary incomes and we don't talk about them enough. The first one is working income. And that's what most of you understand. Get a job and you're going to work just hard enough to keep it and they're going to pay you just enough so you don't quit. That's what most people do. Most people aren't happy in their jobs, right? Now, if you, like for me, how I started to be successful, I always said I'd rather take commission over a wage because commission I can control. Give me, give me commission. I don't need certainty. I want, I want where you, there's no cap. So I would always go after commission first so I could always make more money. So first income is working, then residual. So you do the, you do the work, and then you get paid month after month after month after month. And there's a number of ways to do that. Network marketing for the average person is it, because otherwise you're going to be an insurance broker, or you may be uh, you know, royalties from records or a great author. But network marketing is residual income territory. Again, the right company with the right products is essential. And then you've got passive income. That's where the money works. So you take your residual income and you put your passive income into vehicles like I have real estate is primary mine. I don't like the stock market personally, uh, even though it just tanked recently. Um, so it's just so fickle and so many people can lose. I mean, obviously people sell at the wrong time, buy at the wrong time. It's very stressful. I found with real estate is my particular sweet spot. So I own, I own a lot of real estate. So passive income. If it's passive, it means I'm completely hands off, which means we have property managers that manage the properties. All I do is get an income statement or I get a statement of each property and we have a bank account for each property and the money is made from that. I don't need any more income. So it just stays with the property so that the, 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 all the properties I own are amassing their own bank accounts. Because, you know, and then we can use that to buy other properties or whatever, right? So it's like a, a forced savings. And the last one is called windfall income. And a windfall income is how I made a lot of money as well, which is I like to build a company. So start something, build it and sell it. So when you start a company, if you have an exit strategy or you can develop a patent or you can, you know, license something. So in other words, you just got to find something where you can solve a problem for someone. So if you can solve a problem and you can give that idea away and get paid, even if it's pennies, if you get pennies on it, right, then you can make a fortune. If I, I'll give you an example. There's a woman at Tim Hortons. So in our, in our country, there's a coffee shop, low-end coffee shop, blue-collar coffee shop called Timmy's. And a woman designed a brownie. And that brownie made her a multimillionaire because she wow. then licensed the ingredients of that brownie. It was so tasty that they bought it. And every single time one sells, she still gets paid. So she 
went from being a housewife who was broke to now becoming a, a multimillionaire because of one idea that she was able to sell to one store and get one penny on every single time it sold. So those are the ideas. And of course, you know, like today, you young people, I mean, I was just hearing today that one guy on YouTube makes a million dollars a month, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating great content, putting content out there and monetizing some of these streams, Amazon becoming affiliate marketers. I mean, there's a lot of different, different ways. Uh, I personally, you know, really look at network marketing and my passive income streams. So I love residual feeding my passive. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And because it's such an interesting way to look at money instead of looking for how can you work harder? It's how can you make your money work, but how can you provide more value to people? Like the brownie thing, that's, that's incredible. That's just taking your passion, but then thinking differently instead of thinking, how can I sell these, make them, make them for 50 cents, sell them for $2. It's like, how can I distribute to the masses and set up a franchise, right? Um, David, you were talking about, let's go back to that network marketing for a second. Cause obviously I'm a network marketing. It's huge industry, like a freaking, <laughs> it's, it's massive industry, right? How, how does someone determine, uh, what is the right company for them? Cause I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was like, um, she was kind of asking me about our company and stuff. And I said, look, I'm, I'm not here to convince you, but I was giving her some advice on like, you know, you need to be aware of what else is out there because I, I think that there's different things for different people, right? So how would, what are some main things to look at when looking yeah. for the right well, company? They're, they're, first of all, the products have to work, right? They have to be, um, you know, emotional, uh, affordable, uh, transformational right? People would want to use them whether they were getting paid or not. So, you know, you really want to have, and I've been using the products from our company now for almost 16 years. And if I took you downstairs and showed you my pantry, it looks like a, a warehouse for this company because I use all the products every single day. So it's very important. So that having that emotional connection to the product is important. Um, a company really wants to be between 10 and 20 years of age. You never want to join a company less than 10 years old because startups, there's so many that do start up and they start up for the wrong set of reasons. And the wrong set of reasons, for example, are um, for money. So a lot of companies aren't started, some of the companies aren't started for money. They started for purpose or they started to solve a problem. I mean, go back to Amway, one of the original companies, they did $8 billion in sales last year. And they started with the organic cleaning products, you know, biodegradable cleaning products back in the 70s when that was not even a thing, but that's where they started right um so there's some amazing companies but uh, you know th that they really they, they really solve problems so 10 years old is is minimum i like even older than that where they, they've really proven themselves and you can see where their rate their, their standing is right and you also want a company that is still growing domestically so some of these older companies you'll see that all of their growth happens in the international markets not into the domestic markets so what's happened is they've done well domestically and then they've gone and they're really growing in china and other places so the numbers look good but then when you look at their their home market where the the company started you want to see that continual growth and that tells you everything about the products because if you're seeing continued growth in the domestic market, it means that people are connected to and lifetime users of the product. If you see that when they start moving internationally, the sales drop, what happens is that people aren't connected to the products. They're, they're just like, you know, once the, once the opportunity leaves, they, they don't really care about it. So that's really important. The other one is you want to have somebody at corporate who runs the company that has actually built in the field. They actually have a network marketing understanding because that, that person's going to offer a lot of leverage and experience to help the people coming and also understand how to build trainings and how to build the, the compensation plan 
in order to really help inspire and help grow a, a global team. So you really want that, that really deep experience. And you get a lot of companies who don't have it and they just, you know, they're throwing darts at a wall, right? And then you need someone at corporate who's already been there before and grown a multi-billion dollar company because the, the worst thing that can happen for a network marketing company is no growth. And the second worst thing is too much growth. So what happens is, you know, if they grow too quickly and you don't have the infrastructure, so you need somebody at corporate. And that's what I love about our company. You've got a husband and wife ownership, family ownership, where, you know, the wife has the immense experience in the field, already grown in the field, three different companies. And the husband has been at the helm of a multi-billion dollar company before and gone through exponential growth and understands how to manage it. So those elements are really, really important. And then it's just timing. You know, it really is, the timing plays a role in that. And, and what I would say is really, really important is the legacy factor. You want a company, a lot of companies will talk about legacy, but because of residual income, a network marketing business typically is willable. So you build it and you can will it to your children. And we've already seen that. We've actually had examples where leaders have passed and their children have come on and, and taken over the business and been trained by their parents to run that business. So you want a legacy company. If, if it's owned by a VC, for example, if you look at who the ownership is, if it's owned by a, um, a venture capital group, then they only care about selling it. The only reason why venture capitalists are involved in a business is to sell it. They don't give a shit about you. They just give a shit about the numbers today and they're going to be gone and your business will change and it'll be sold to another company and you're going to be diluted. So legacy means that a company that's owned and that there is no intention for them to go public, going public is the same thing. And I've watched so many network marketing companies go public and it's a scam because guess what they do? They get all of the associates so excited that the associates buy all the initial stock, right? But then their books are open to the public. And then if there's a downturn, you know, the people, the very people who have built it are now being penalized because there's a downturn and there's going to be a natural ebb and flow. So I never like to see stock sold to the associates. I think it's a terrible thing. So you want legacy. So I think that's another piece. I think I've got them all, something like that. Did that answer the question? Yes, absolutely. I love it because, yeah, like I, I, I just want to be able to help. The whole purpose of this podcast is to help young people get educated, inspired, understand the attitude of what it takes to grow success in whatever. Uh, and with just the massive uh, growth in this industry, people are looking. And, and I want to help them kind of understand what they should be looking at and not, not be swayed by the biased opinion of someone who's actually already in something you know what i mean so thank you for that um let's talk about money archetypes right so people spend and manage money differently people also there's sexed archetypes as well yeah you know start with money. the archetypes for money right you got the spender the avoider the money monk um and the hoarder and so they're kind of like the, the sort of the negative. And I'm a, I'm a blend of spender avoider, right? And so spender. I have to work against my archetype because what it comes down to then is how do I then manage money? Money. A lot, a lot of people are spenders, right? So they just spend everything they have. It's just the only thing they know, right? But when we understand what archetype we are, hoarders, and my friend who was on the show, she talks about that, the money show I did. You know, it's painful. Some people, it's just painful to spend money. So they hoard everything. And it's kind of like becomes this, this, this sort of negative experience around hoarding. So the idea with each of the archetypes is to really develop a, a, a system of managing the money that allows you to, so for hoarders, you know, obviously you don't want to be in that negative situation. So a hoarder is learning how to spend money and enjoy it versus 
having to drive across town and cut coupons and everything being so stressed. And I've got a couple of friends who are so wealthy, but they just don't enjoy their money. It's just like this. It's like a painful thing to watch because they really are. They're multi-multi-millionaires now, but you still think they had nothing, right? And of course, the avoiders, I mean, this is where I come in, right? You know, I don't even know where my mailbox is. So I, <laughs> I have a bookkeeper, fortunately. So I, I, I've set up a structure that sort of protects me from myself. But some of you don't have the ability to hire someone if you're young, but then just sort of learning some basic principles of managing the money. That's really where it comes in, of how do you manage money and understand your archetype. Because if you are a spender, then, you know, you got to, you know, you, you got to think about this. If you are on that spending treadmill, what's going to happen is at some point, right, you're going to be, you're broke, which means you have to do things and you have no choice. And one of the sexiest things for you young people listening to the show is if you could create a life choice where you get to choose how you live your life, where you live your life, with whom you live your life. You know, you could do anything with anyone, wherever you want in the world, whenever you want in the world, as often as you want in the world. That is sexy. So then that comes down to, well, let me understand how I play the money game. And then let me win the money game with creating some form of a system. And there's some great books. I mean, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A lot of you, if you just read those two books, um, or, you know, The Richest Man in Babylon is, is, is a great book too. But any of those books, um, The Wealthy Barber is another great book. You know, read any of those four books and, and just say, well, I'm going to adopt a couple of these principles because a lot of people think that, you know, and I, I, I used to think this, that kind of managing money is some kind of imprisonment. But what it is, is it's liberating. Because once you manage it and you have it, you become free. And there's that freedom of choice, which every young person, I'm telling you, when you can choose, <laughs> you know, to, to have, look at you. I mean, you were living in Indonesia. You know, you travel, right? You're a, you're a network marketer, which means you've had that level of freedom. Of, you've also gone through the peaks and valleys where your business has gone up, it's flattened, it's gone down, which is normal for every, every business on the earth. So those are the archetypes. And again, each one has its own follies. But each one has to come back to the same thing, which is some form of management that liberates you. It doesn't imprison you. It liberates you. And that really comes back down to that first principle, which is pay yourself first. 10% of everything you earn goes into a, into a savings account for investing, not a savings account for spending. If you want to spend money, then, you know, like, for example, I'll give you an example. I just, <laughs> I love this story. I mean, I, I've got enough money to buy, I buy cash for anything. But everything I own, I mean, I've got, I, I love toys. I, I own some bolts, I own cars, I own motorbikes, you know. I, so, but I'm not saying that to impress you. It's just that but everything I buy, I buy used. Why? Because why would I pay the depreciation on a new car? I have a Jag downstairs, which is a convertible, but I bought it with 40,000, no, 14,000 clicks on it. You know, my, my Range Rover was, I'm the third owner. There was 12,000 clicks on it, but still the depreciation had already gone. So I'm paying... $30,000 or $20,000 less than the guy who originally paid for it, right? And I, and, and I just, it's so funny. You know, I wanted to get a new motorbike. I always said when I hit 60, I was going to buy a Harley. And the other day, I, I, I traded bikes for a 2015 Harley. It's badass. It's just got this real character about it. I love it. But here, I, I could go to the Harley store and write a big fat check. What I did, I found a guy and we just traded. So now I've got exactly what I want but it's got 7,000 clicks on it. And you know, and I didn't spend a nickel. I just traded my old bike for his bike and boom, boom. So I think that again, 
philosophy around money, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to spend it. Just because I could go and buy a brand new car doesn't mean I'm going to. I'm going to be shrewd and look for, I still have beautiful vehicles, but I, my boat, my boat is a 2000, it's 17 years old. And Jim Coover was on the boat, but he came over here, he flew up here and I took him out and he said, Dave, I love this boat. And so do I. But it's like brand new. Two rich guys owned it and they kept it stored for like 10 months a year and I only used it for a month. And so it's like a brand new boat, but I paid $70,000 for what would normally cost me like $350,000. I spent wow. 70. So here I am, this kind of wealthy guy, and everything I own, I can tell you a story on how little money I spent for it and how I got it. And, you know, and yet here I can, I could go and write a, a big fat check if I wanted to, but I don't need to, and nor do you. So Jen, it's just about being shrewd and, and being thoughtful and, and still having what, if you want toys, great. But best, when's the best time to buy a toy? Tell you, in a recession, when everyone else, because people, they over leverage, the recession hits and everyone's selling everything cheap. You can buy boats, you can buy cars, whatever. So if you hold on to your cash and you wait to the next recession, which is coming, then when everyone's flogging all the expensive shit they can't afford, you can pick it up for pennies on the dollar and you get exactly what you want at a third of the price. So, <laughs> I love it. Um, is that about, a drop the mic moment or was that like... That is a drop the mic moment. And it's so funny because I, I remember having that conversation with you, man, when was it? I was young. I would have been... I would have been 21, 21, 22. I'm like, David, I'm going to go buy a new car. And you're like, don't do it. I'm like, what do you drive? And you're like, I just bought a secondhand car. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And uh, obviously, I didn't listen then. But like, I was back as a tradie. And I, like, I got like a durable ute and all this shit. But I learned, like sometimes, like my lesson there, I should just learn the lesson from you. A lot easier to learn lessons from other people's mistakes or teachings than our own. But when I went to sell it, I realized how much more money I paid in interest, which was insane. Uh and then I just come back from traveling well for the last three years and I just bought cash for a car downstairs and you just, it's, it's insane. You just see this thing. And I was, I was in two minds. I'm like, oh man, like I need to get a car, but I'm not getting in debt. Screw that. But I don't want to spend much cash either. So I sat up for a while. I'm like, how can I, if I was going to get in debt, how can I create something else on the side that's going to pay me to pay that? Or but I just bit the bullet and I just paid cash for it and I got a freaking epic deal. And every time I get in, I'm like, I don't feel boss driving it but i feel boss for the decision i made on it being smart with money well, and, and, and you can do both i mean sometimes if you wait yeah. like my son's car well, it is pretty actually freaking sick yeah well. yeah <laughs> his car was 2200 bucks you know and it's just like he loved it and it was like being mint condition you know and he loved driving it and you know here he is in a 2200 dollar car and at absolutely in love i mean it was like i mean until he wraps around a tree but that was a different story <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's that's just, that's another that's a story for another day. I love that story. Um, how how about sex archetypes? Well, you know, I don't teach on it. So, what are the ones you know? Tell me. I mean, I don't really have a. <clears throat> I, okay, I, I I just want to spin it with you and see. I, I know there's tons of different. Um, there's there's different styles like and how we actually like and it's an interesting thing. Like me being an achiever, wanting to um, I'm an efficient. It's very interesting to see the difference there, right? So, like my mentality, it's like man, if I can get everything done in 30 minutes, then I'm back to my life. <laughs> it's like, it's like, right, one time, right, yeah, yeah, right. Cause I'm like, like, let's like, I'm just, and, and what we were talking about before, looking for the, like the orgasm is the tick. Okay, achieved success. And if it's not that, I'm sitting there going, how can I make that better next time? What, what, you know, and that's just the, the thing. So there's a different style of that. And then when we had a conversation ages ago, you were like, 
you know, sometimes like three hours. And I'm going, what the hell? <laughs> well, yeah, but that, again, that's that tantric approach. So tantric <clears throat> is this thing where, and because, you know, it's like, where do you make love? It's like, you know, like a lot of people think a bedroom. I mean, yeah, beds are beautiful. Kitchen's but good. the whole house, I always say, mm. the whole house. I mean, if you design a house, which I did this one, is that, that everywhere is, is, is a place, right? But I think that... Um, is that the real reason you have a piano in your house? Yeah. Because you don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, I, I ask this question to women a lot. What, how many types of orgasm can they have? And this really stumps a lot of women because most women, if I sat down 100 women and asked that question, they had to write down the number, how many different types, right? And, and most women would say two or three. And some say one, and some look shocked. And they say, what do you mean orgasm? Right? Because mm. so many women have never had an orgasm, right? Um, and so, but, you know, if you understand a woman's body, and you can go online and start studying it. That's why I always say for women, study your own body. Then you can teach a man, because a man wants to be a great lover. Every man wants to be. They just don't know how to be. Mm. And, unless you, and if you don't know what's going on, and you're too, you're too you know, timid to speak up or share or show, but if you show a guy what really works and you make him a stud, he's going to love it. He's going to do what works because he doesn't want to do what doesn't work. So that whole, that's where the, that sort of communication part is so important. But you know, a woman can have between seven and nine different types of orgasm, right? So, which is for most women, it's like, what, you know, and it's just so, and again, I don't want to dig into them because mm. it's not, I want, what I want to do is I want you to go and, and, and research. If you don't know what I'm talking about, research it and discover it. Have a look. And some of them are really hard. They're not easy, but the, uh, quite a few of them are very simple. But a lot of women have no possible idea what their body is capable of. And the guys, if you don't know, and you, if you just start studying, and you, I always say this, find, and don't stay away from porn, but go on and research one small thing a day, and you can put it into it. So you can research any question on sex, and read three different articles on it. Don't read one. And just read. And sort of so each day you learn one thing. You think, wow, I never knew that. And so that's what I say is like with most things in life, we continue to learn. Like I, I love cooking, so I'm always learning new things with cooking. Imagine if I was still doing sex the same way I was when I was, well, I started very, very young. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if I hadn't advanced or grown or whatever, right, and, and, and understood, and then, you know, how do I teach my body when you talk about stamina or time and fun? I mean, sex doesn't have to be a serious thing. It can be all things because right? it's the range. And there's, you know, laughter and silliness and fun and intensity and, you know, and all of the different things between, you know, I just think it's such a wonderful playground. Um, and with trust in the right communication, oh my gosh, I think everyone can discover things and continue to discover things. And then you got that, you know, you can role play fantasy. I mean, there's just such a, a, a massive spectrum and it's so, so beautiful. And you think about it, sitting alone, watching porn or discovering the immensity of, of, of intimacy and, 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 and sex. I mean, it's just a different animal, right? Yes. Um, and I know you, I'm super mindful of time. Just want to. I, I just heard my banker just come in yeah. right now, so he's already walked in. Tell him that he's probably he's probably used to you doing a million things at once. Um, the 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 sex archetypes that I'm aware of, right? The and this is so interesting to also know because same with the personality colors, and because it's more so just being aware of what you are, what gets you off, and what your partner is, right? There's the five. It's sexual, kinky. There's um, sexual. Or what did I say? Sexual, sensual, kinky shape shifter and energetic yeah and then there's, there's actually a test you can do online uh i think uh, i forget what it is dm me dm me if you want to know what it is um 
uh, you can do this test. And it's just very interesting because it's interesting to know what you are, your personality type, right? And, and then understanding what your partner is. So, uh, you know, sexual and kinky are pretty self-explanatory, right? Like kinky is pretty much like you're very, you're, your range is more so, right? And then the sexual is very, like I'm very, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Should I say this? Should I say what I am? Yeah. <laughs> Should yeah. I leave it, right? Uh, you know, my test, I was a 50-50 sexual kinky, right? That's, that's, that's what I came back with. And, and anyone, anyone listening <laughs> just said, yeah, I get it. They, they, yes. they can do that. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really took you for an energetic guy, Morgan. You're really about in that, right? And then there's energetic and sensual, which are very kind of similar, like more on the opposite side of the range, right? Very slow and very connected, very the eye gazing and the emotional kind of thing. And the thing that really fucked me was the fifth one, the shapeshifter. Because the, the, the interesting thing in this is they don't know what the fuck gets them off. And what they do is they, they set out to make the other person happy, right? Which resolves in them being dissatisfied, which it's just this unraveling. Well, it can, yeah, it can. I think that what happens is, again, we, we, with the exploration, what I would, my, my challenge to everyone, if you went online and you found out, let's say, and I, and I get the shapeshifter idea, right? But that they're not all unhappy. But I think that what if you said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be great in all the ranks. Mm, so the idea yeah. is that you just say, yeah, this is my predominant archetype. So this is my, based on my personality style and type. This is ha- kind of how I behave in bed. It comes back to that saying, how I do anything is how I do everything. How I treat anyone is how I treat everyone, you know, how I treat myself. So the idea, though, is, you know, how you do life is how you do sex, typically. Yeah. So if you live a life of range... If you discover range in all things, you know, and you're willing to be, you know, as, as content in an ashram meditating in Tibet as you are at a, a rave, you know, in a mosh pit, you know, doing an all night party, which you know me, I love yeah. both. So the idea is that's the same thing. So as you treat life, then you're going to bring that same range into the bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, swimming pool, everywhere. It's just not going to be a thing. So I would urge that, yeah, look at those, find out what you are, and then say, how do I move myself elegantly into all these areas? And that way, whoever you're with, because, you know, I mean, one of the great things is mirroring. You know, I mean, you're going back to connection. If you lay with your partner and just follow their breath, just lay with them, hold them, and just don't tell them you're doing it and just mimic their breath and they're going to start to feel something with you and you could do it like a sales technique was mirroring. So if someone's sitting like this, you sit like this, you know, your tonality, everything like that. But in the bedroom, when you start to breathe together, you start with breath. And this is what Tantra comes back to is that whole breath, right? You start to breathe together quite often. Someone's going to say, Oh my God, I never felt so connected. And all you're doing is mirroring someone's breath. And they don't know you're doing it. So you're, you're breathing exactly. And you want to start to feel this deep connection with this person. So it's such a fascinating subject. I really talk about it for months. I love it. All right, David, where can everybody find you on social media? All right. I just launched a new show. It's called uh, My Extra Mile Conversations with David T.S. Wood. It's on YouTube, new YouTube channel. We just hit 1,000 views today. We launched it yesterday, the day before. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I interview pioneers, mavericks, humanitarians, influencers, goofballs. Um, but really it's about discovering the incremental small things, small steps you can take in life that can really make a huge difference. Um, I've done shows with relationship experts, financial experts, network marketing experts, you know, side hustle experts. And just so I want to talk, it's, I say join the conversation. Also Instagram at David T.S. Wood. Um, I actually just started a Twitter account, David T.S. Wood, and of course Facebook. For old, old, old people, none of you young people <laughs> go to Facebook, but it's David T.S. Wood as well. 
um, yeah, so come and join the conversation. And, uh, you know, you can always ask me questions. I'll do shows for you. If you have a question, you can, you can DM me. If I think that means something, like you can message me. <laughs> hey, great job. You're a great interview. I've got to say, you know, this is my first time being interviewed by you. And I was just thinking how mature and how this suits you. You're, you're, you've got great perspective, great courage, great uh, connection. And I think, uh, you know, your show is going to be a massive hit, you know. So, yeah, well done. Well done, you. Thank you so much. Um, and I was just going to say, because David doesn't know what a DM is, just DM me and then I'll pass the message on to David because he probably won't get it, let's be honest. <laughs> um, David, I already asked you the last question, the closing question on the last episode, so I don't want to ask it again. But what's, I can ask what's, you this time, but you could say, what would I tell myself about sex? You just make <clears> it, you can change it. Well, so, now you know what I'm going to ask you. Okay, what would you tell your 18-year-old self about sex and managing money? Oh, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> <laughs> slow down slow down slow down slow down and what i tell my 18 year old is pay yourself 10 percent and invest it and, and and start working at financial freedom understand the power of compound interest that that little bit of money that you save every single month when you're young by the time you get older you're going to have millions of dollars and it's just as simple as that it doesn't have to be a huge amount even if you if you've earned a hundred dollars and you take ten dollars and you put that into savings and you get into that habit young and you continue to do that and you just put it into the right vehicles you choose your vehicle right can put it into really safe vehicles but get that money working and invest it that compound interest will make you completely financially free it's such a simple principle thank you so much for listening Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.